What does it all mean, Walt? All of what? Like, you know, all of this. Well, I think people try their best to generate ideas that are meaningful and powerful and then see the way those ideas are shaped by the ideas of other people. That's great. That's great. But like, look, just look, man, at where we've ended up by thinking that way. It's not so bad, James. But it is, though, Walt, and I, I don't think I'm ever going to understand it. Look, I, I know it's hard, but we can sleep easy knowing that they'll never print Questing Beast ever again. I hate it, Walt, and it's yucky. <laughs> <laughs> the word yucky is such a weird thing for me to say. I've never said the word yucky. Never said the word yucky. I, I, honestly, I saw it in the script and I was going to say, oh, we got to change this because I don't say yucky. <laughs> it's funny of me saying the word yucky. There you go. I also like that you just dropped the stoner because the, cause oh, the, yeah, the sure. real you is opposed to Questing Beast as a concept. I know that it has death touch and it's a 4-4. Everything else on that card, I forget. <laughs> it can't be blocked by two or less. Two or less power. It has... Death it, touch and haste. A death touch and haste. I think it, it has trample over planeswalkers. So if it deals excess damage to a planeswalker, it, really? it deals that much to the to the player. What? And damage it deals can't be prevented. We're going to talk about And it has beast. rampage five. No. <laughs> so welcome to episode 10 where we discuss questing beasts. <laughs> For an hour and a half. For an hour and a half. Uh, oh my lord. Welcome to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC helping you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm so excited. It's episode it's finally episode 10. Uh, James jumped the gun two episodes ago and said the next episode <laughs> is going to be it. He had to wait a full episode Which before we got two there. two weeks worth of time in, yes, our, in our reality. Four weeks worth of time yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been too long. So Look, painful. We caught so, so many questions. So the first thing I want to say... Oh, well, look. I mean... I'm getting ahead of myself, James. True. I know, I know exactly what you're going to say because the little red light in front of us is flashing. It's blinking. It's blinking. It's blinking at and us. And I know exactly who it is. It's the Space Commanders Again? from These guys? the deep depths of the galaxy. So, you know what time it is? It's time to get commanded. Growth happens within, but its origin is those around us. Oh my god, they're getting like weirdly philosophical and sentimental. I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's almost like uh like like the writer of the episode was was stretching. <laughs> That's so good. Look, it's I agree with the statement. I, I agree. agree with the statement, by 100%. the way. And I reckon what the Space Commanders are telling us here, because they knew our episode 10 was going to be on community questions. Oh, because they, they listen. They, they listen. heard the last episode. Yeah. They the, know. Well, they command us. We talk about it and they listen. That's true. This podcast is only for the Space Commanders. It's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fact that you guys listen is a nice bonus. Mm, we did not realize we were going to publish it. And then <laughs> the, the Space Commanders were like, yeah, chuck it on YouTube. See, yep. what, see how it does. SoundCloud. Why not? But yes, this is episode 10. It's episode 10. Which is our community questions. It's and our community questions. As Walt said, we got so many questions that we are staring down the barrel of a six-page podcast. For reference, it's usually two. Or three. At a three stretch. Is our like longest the... podcast episode was two hours, and that was three, three pages. pages. So, uh, six hours. <laughs> no. Look, most <laughs> of the questions, thankfully, we 
can wrap up uh, pretty short at the yeah. end. We've got like a rapid fire questions at the end. Uh, I'd also like to stress again, I know I mentioned it uh, last time when we were asking for the yeah. questions. Um, if you don't hear your question uh, answered here and I haven't answered it directly um, somewhere or James hasn't answered it directly, it means that it's going to be its own episode. Yeah. Um, I- I- I'll say right off the bat, there's at least two to three episodes coming up that are purely because so many of you asked about it. Can so we, thank you for asking those questions. Can we tease some upcoming episodes? Oh. Because some of them are real. Can we? Can we? Can we? Like I one mean, or two? I can, I can tease. Well, look, one thing we got a lot of questions about, and it's actually going to be the first thing we're going to be talking about, is um, deck building. Oh, uh, yeah. That was probably 80% of the questions that were asked. Yeah, I'd say so. So, so look, we're, we're going to be talking about a bunch of them today. Um, but I think we're going to just make a full deck building tutorial. Mm. Like, I feel like, I know there's like a bunch of them out there. I've sort of been hesitant to, to be committing to one because there's so many of them out there, but like so many of you want to know, you know, like what's our template. Yeah. What's your (laughs) template? What's your template? Um, so I'd be keen to make one. I think let's do it. I'd be super keen to make a deck building episode because I think there's so many deck building episodes of other podcasts and other YouTube channels that are out there that have used the same cookie cutter mm. template for years. And I don't think it's as applicable anymore in current Commander. Mm. I think there's more to talk about. Personally. I, I agree. I, I, I will note there that um, Command Zone had a very long standing uh, tutorial episode that I had watched myself they many times. They had a PDF printout you could get. Oh, really? The, yeah, 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 yeah. But they um, they actually revisited it uh, only a few months ago and changed some of their recommendations. So, look, the, the format is becoming more and more popular. Mm. Um, it's shifting. Precons are getting better and better. More and more cards are getting printed for the format. Yeah, which is a big yeah. Thing. It's getting faster. It's getting yeah. more powerful. Um, I love what Commander is as a format. But, yeah, anyway, so I don't want to get too sidetracked. Um, in but fact, let's episode? just, yeah, we're, we're, and another one that I, sure. that I really liked that I'm, I'm not going to spoil too much, but deck styles and play styles. Mm. So we got a lot of questions around specific, like, you know, is it storm or aristocrat? So we might do episodes in the future dedicated to certain play styles, but mm. I'm not going to spoil that. Yes. I'm so excited. Let's do we this. We won't get ahead of ourselves. Uh, so we'll jump right in. So the first lot of questions are these deck building ones. We got so, so many, like we said, we'll be making a full episode of them um i sort of tried to make it chronological so sort of like the order that we make a deck because we sort of got questions about every every step of the process so uh right off the bat our first question comes from stefan uh shout out to stefan stefan is visiting us from the netherlands um plays a bunch of really powerful decks really lovely guy oh my Um, god uh this guy sits at a table with no play mat and is like yeah my scrub land's okay to sit on oh my god the first time i saw him play a dual (laughs) land i was like is that a proxy and he said no and i was like can i stand 10 feet further (laughs) away so there's no danger of me spilling my water all over walt walt when walt sees a card that's over 15 dollars his wallet actually jumps out of his back pocket (laughs) grows a set of legs and runs (laughs) I also, I don't, I don't know if you saw me before when I was describing it, but my, like, literally, like, my hackles raise. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like was, a wild animal, like, really in a corner. The hairs on the back of your neck were standing on edge. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, become a little gremlin. I'm like, ah, run away, run away. Okay, so regardless of what Stefan plays, what does Stefan ask oh, right. us to ask? Oh, right, he asked us a question, yeah, he did ask he? us a question. Yes. Uh, Stefan asked us, how do you pick a commander to build a deck around? And Aaron uh, asked mm-hmm. us a sort of similar question. Is it better to build a deck picking the commander first or the play style first. So what do you reckon, James? Such a good question. I'm, I'm going to kind of piece this back, like, together, but it's funny because 
I usually stumble onto a commander that I want to play. So I'll be oh. flicking through someone's binder, or my own binder, actually, and I will see a legendary creature, and I'll read its effect, and I'll go, surely there's a deck around this. Surely. Mm. So I think a lot of us actually find that we stumble onto commanders that we want to play. I We actually spoke about, I referenced Galta, was a commander that I specifically stumbled onto yeah, in the stores you trade saw binder. In the binder yeah. I was like, that's got to be a deck. Yoink. Um, you know, Brutacloud was one of those cards that, again, one of my favorite decks that I was trying to build is an artifacts, was trying with Dalakos for a while, didn't work, you know, kept going through and then stumbled onto Brutacloud. So stumbling onto a commander is totally an acceptable way of doing it. But I think there's heaps of ways to do it. And to be honest, with Aaron's question where he says, is it better to pick the style or the commander first? I think if you've got a decently sized commander collection already, I think pick the playstyle first. Mm. So something that we talk about a lot is when you, we actually, in our last episode, we talked about disassembling a deck. We did, yeah. And we talked about how we've got like, oh, we've got a lands deck. Let me disassemble this lands deck and build a different lands deck. Mm. So there's like a... St- so you've disassembled Rada and has built... Is it Averna? Averna, Averna, yeah. I've now played it. Super cool. A really good deck. Um, but that's what I would think about if you're kind of an experienced commander player, is think about what play styles haven't you dabbled in. Pick a play style. Go on to EDH Rec. Look at that theme. Find a commander in there. Mm. Um, the other thing I think is the main point that I want to get across with this question is why are you building a commander deck? If you can answer... Mm, wow, real philosophical there. Look, I mean, I, you heard my stoner voice at the start of this <laughs> <laughs> at the start of this episode, but I think that if you can answer really easily why you're building a new commander deck, you should be able to choose... You should from there be able to go, I know exactly what commander, I know exactly what play style, I know exactly where to go from there. Mm, that's so interesting. It, I, f- I feel like I can actually... If I think about the decks that I've built recently, if... If I just identify why I'm building them, it normally answers what kind of commander I'm looking for anyway. Like, I, I think I told you I I wanted to build a uh, um, a blue spell slinger deck because yeah. it was something I just didn't own. Um, and don't and, do. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> yeah. do it all. Yeah. And in the process of doing that, I ended up building two decks. I built a spell slinger deck and I built a, uh, you know, sort of big spells tribal deck. Um, I also wizard tribal deck, Kaza. Yay, got mentioned! <laughs> got, got mentioned every episode. We're 10 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new record. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's interesting because then just knowing that, that was how I decided which commanders I wanted to build. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I want to build a spell slinger deck. I was like, okay. I don't want to play any of the really typical Spellsinger decks, yeah. so what's out there that's kind of weird? And then, yeah, I was looking through a binder and someone was like, this, guy, this guy's kind of cool. So, yeah, yeah, like, it's exactly... So if you can answer why am I building a new deck, if you're, I want a challenge. Okay, what kind of challenge do you want? A budget challenge. Okay, now I need to pick a commander that's going to be really easy to build on a budget. Mm. Um, I want to play outside of my playstyle. Okay, let's have a look at what colors you play firstly. Let's choose different colors. And now what kind of style do you like? Let's choose outside that style. Mm. Why am I building a new commander deck? Because my playgroup's got too many powerful decks and I want a powerful commander. Yeah. There you go. There's another reason. So now you need to find a commander that's like in that top tier of meta mm. that you're building for. Yeah, for sure. That so an answer to the to question, both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely agree. I think I think either approach is totally mm. reasonable. I think especially um I totally agree. These days I usually come at it from a playstyles perspective. I will say that um it's totally acceptable in this day and age when they are printing so many legendary creatures 
for that to be the reason you build the deck. Like, yeah. if you're just playing, um, you know, Command Legends 2 Baldur's Gate, and you just see a couple of Legends, and you're kind of like, this is cool. Just build it. Like, yeah, you, when I, there's nothing honestly, to lose. Realistically, if, especially around a new set, if you're a good drafter, or if you're drafting a lot, generally, because you're building within the set, if you build the Commander deck, most of the cards that are going to directly synergize with it are from that set. Yeah. So, if you're, yeah, if you're drafting and you go, this is a cool Legendary creature... In your head, while you're drafting, just be like, this is a big commander card. This is a big mm. commander card. I'll take this. I'll take this. Yeah, my Arami deck was built after the Commander Legends draft because I drafted Arami. And um, admittedly, most of the deck that I had on that day is gone. But I ended up building with a lot of the cards from yeah. Commander Legends. I think Crow about- Dark Tidings, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crow Dark Tidings is amazing, is amazing in Milliken the deck. Milliken is in there. So. Milliken's in there. Yeah. I um I definitely threw in the um the Monarch Blue one. The 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 What are they called? The cycle. You know, there's like each one is an oh, enchantment, the ETB is um, yeah, courts, the courts. Court of Cunning. Cunning, that's court of cunning. one blue and a blue. One blue, blue, and you become the monarch. Yeah. In your yeah. upkeep, I think if you're the monarch that's no, sorry, no, ten. In the beginning of your upkeep, yes, you choose any number of players and they mill two or mill three. And then and if, if the you're monarch. the monarch, they mill ten. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I run that in Scarab God actually as well. Yeah. Yeah. It. Well yeah. I kind of tried to make it more about milling my opponents as well. And that's that was a great card yeah. in the deck. But yeah, totally agree. I think yeah. so. All right. Um, we're actually done with this first page. page. One of six. So uh, five to go. Oh my god, there <laughs> we go. Oh bloody hell. Oh my god. <laughs> that came right back out. And me. somehow and mine it, flew across the entire yeah. mine ended up thing. on my chair under my butt. That well, was there incredible. you go. Uh so still in deck building um we're moving through the chronology of building the deck mm. so we've chosen our commander um jordan asks do you have any deck building principles that other people would disagree with oh good question mm. um i we were literally just talking about deck building template yeah i know that you're quite a big believer in making sure that you've got you know 10 ramp spells 10 mm. card draw spells yeah. this many board wipes this many single target what's i i'm gonna pass to you here and kind of try and think because yeah it's i I don't think i do a lot that people would um disagree with i think to be honest the aspect of my deck building that people would probably find the most challenging um having spoken to people about it a lot is that i build budget decks yeah people often i think because i build so many decks and cumulatively i spend so much money people are often like oh if you're gonna spend that amount of money why don't you just build a deck that's like this budget um, and to be honest, I just really enjoy the challenge of finding weird cards. I also, as I've said before, I'm kind of a magic hipster where I really enjoy using things that other people don't you use. Are, uh, <laughs> I was actually just about to make a joke that links so perfectly with this. Your deck building rule break is that if you play white, which you do a lot, you don't run Swords to Plowshares or Path to Exile. <laughs> That's like a hipster going to a cafe in Melbourne and being like, I'll have a tea because everyone drinks coffee oh these days. Oh my god, that's like next level hipster. That's so hardcore. It's not even deconstructed <laughs> coffee anymore. The guy is drinking tea now. Uh, and for I, anyone listening outside of Melbourne, uh, another equivalent, I don't know. Like, that's such a Melbourne-based joke. a very joke. Melbourne yeah. thing, it's true. I, one thing I will say about, um, you know, Jordan's asking about the sort of general deck building rules that we use. He's asking which ones yeah. people would disagree with, but he's sort of asking about our, our rules. One thing I will say, I... Um, early on, I saw like what the deck building rules were and I was like, I can, you know, I saw the command zones recommended 10 ramp, 10 card or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, c- I don't need to listen to that. Like I can, I can make changes or whatever. And 
if you're new to the format, I will actually say, because a lot of people sort of then be, go the opposite way from command zone and kind of say like, you don't need a range, you don't need this, like just do it your, your way or whatever. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I think, and I sort of, the analogy here I think of is actually martial arts. I I, I did Kung Fu for about three years. Did you really? I did, yeah. Oh my God, I'm uh, genuinely learning new, something new about what? <laughs> new information for James. Um, and th- there's a, a thing that I think is integral to, to most martial arts, and I would even argue most arts, which mm. is that generally you are taught an extremely strict set of rules, and then when you are a complete master of those rules, you're allowed to break them. Uh, so it's like you have to know the game to its absolute, like, this is it in the book. You have to know back front cover to back cover, then you can take liberties. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I... I ended up kind of coming back to the command zones and mounts. And for a long time, I just built... I still built decks that I wanted to play and included Mm. cards I wanted. But I always had 10 bits of ramp and 10 bits of card draw and 5 bits of removal and 5 wraths or whatever. And, like, you won't go significantly wrong, I will say, by following those rules. And when you've done it a bunch, you will start to understand why those rules exist the way they are. And that's when you're allowed to break them. Really interesting. And as a visual... I now want everyone to imagine Walt in crane position, standing on one leg on a on a post with JLK going, 10 ramp, and then Walt kicks and changes position. And then JLK goes, 10 card draw. He kicks again and changes position. Oh, James, it comes full circle because they made that bloody um, Cobra Kai show. Oh and my the God, they from did Cobra too. Kai play Commander. They played Commander together. Yeah. Several of them have been on game nights. There you go. There you go. So Kung Fu is just Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Do, do you think you have rules that you deviate it's, from? It's funny. I don't think I'm a radical deck builder in any way, shape or form. I'm pretty boring. And like, I, like because I don't have the budget restraint, which ha- like forces creativity, um, which is something that I really admire about. Because you could spend the money on cards, you could do that. That's totally fine. But because you're kind of you put that constraint on your forces creativity, I don't think there's anything about my deck building that's really radical. The one thing that I'd say that I do that I get comments on is how much ramp I include. Mm. So everyone says you should minimum include this much ramp. If your commander's really low CMC, maybe you don't need as much. Think about the mana curve. I don't give a shit. I want so much mana. Um, I would generally include like 13 to 15 pieces of ramp in any deck. Mm. And thinking about it, I think there's a couple of reasons why. I'm a big Grixis player. Black, green, red is... Black, green. Did I just say green? (gasps) Green? Green. Oh my god. No. Blue. (laughs) Black, blue, red is the colours that I play in. Terrible ramping colours. They're really good at rituals, and they're really good at, like... Artifacts, big mana. Yeah, artifact rocks is the big thing. Mm. But, like, dark ritual, um, mana geyser, they're the things that... Um, fast mana acceleration in those colours, right? Mm. With rocks, I generally include, like, 13 to 15 rocks in a Grixis deck, because there's no other way to ramp, mm. really. Like, you yeah. can do, like, Cryptgast with Swamps, but that's gonna die. Mm. So, the reason why I do it, and a lot of people comment, because, like, the first three turns, I'm like, right, you turn, just turn empty your on, hand. It happens rocks, so rocks, often, rocks. yeah. But then, because I include such good card draw, because, like, I, pre- I preference heavy ramp, heavy card draw, mm. I'm constantly doing something. Might not be winning the game, but I'm still doing stuff. Yeah. But the other thing that I get comments on is, why am I still playing rocks in late game? And it's because sometimes everything will get bounced to my hand, like return on online permanence. That includes mana rocks. So I might, it might be turn five and I've hit every land drop, but I'm only on five lands. There's three other green decks at the table that have all lamp- ramped with, you know, uh, Kadama's Reach and stuff like that. And so I have to then replay my rocks mm. to get them out. 
The other thing that I really like about rocks, they tap when they come in. They're ready to go. Most land ramp comes in tapped. Sure. So usually you can, you know, play it and then tap it and do something else. Yeah. We so talked about that in the the order episode. Sequencing. Sequencing, yeah. yeah. Which, it, yeah. which I actually really, I actually listened back to that and I was like, oh, that actually makes so much sense. So when, I, when I'm in late game now, sometimes I'll put cards that I don't think are needed to the back of my hand. But then I've noticed with mana rocks... I can still play them and do something on my turn on turn seven mm. and then turn 10, I'm now two mana again ahead. So yeah. I've got something else to do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a big believer in mana rocks and I get, you know, uh, Vandal blasted a lot and it'll, <laughs> it bounced a hand and that's really devastating. But because I'd play outside of green and white and cards that ramp with lands, it's funny. White actually does really well on lands. They hit every land drop, mm. but Grixis, yeah. You're screwed. Can't do it. So that's probably the rule that I break the most. Of. Yeah, I probably agree with that, actually. I, I remember saying to you once, actually, um, I was, said something like, ah, oh, you know, are you, to- are you, I was joking, but I was like, yeah. oh, are you always stacking your deck? Because I swear you always go Soul Ring Signet. <laughs> and then you said to me, you were like, look, I, you know, like Soul Ring doesn't always appear in my hand. Yeah. But... Um, I play a lot of rocks. So like yeah. the likelihood that I have one in my opening hand and the likelihood that I have two is high. And yeah, yeah I see it. Well, sure. like, yeah, I like I just counted in Scarab God. There are 12 rocks. Wow. 12 yeah. rocks. I yeah. Think 12. Yeah, it was 12 or 13, something around that. And then mm. I looked in Niv-Mizzet, which is my CDH deck. Oh, it's it be... is all rocks, baby. Yeah. Like, it is like, there's like 20 mm. something. And like, when you think about fast mana, like, of course, yeah. you're playing CDH, it's a different format. But yeah. like, yeah, rocks are just awesome. Mm. Go rocks. I love rock. <laughs> Woo! Rock, rock, rock on, says James. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was a bad pun, and I was trying not to laugh because I had a mouthful of water. Yeah, but... Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get. Uh, so, um, speaking of deck building, let's say we've mm-hmm. thrown together our... We've got our template. We've thrown some cards together. We've broken some rules. We've broken some rules, maybe, if we're a master. Um, <laughs> and Aaron is now going to ask us, what is a, quote, win more, end quote, card, and why should we cut them? It's I really love the fact that Aaron has asked this question, because Aaron, in my opinion, doesn't play a lot of win more cards. I don't yeah, think. maybe not. I yeah. don't think he does. So yeah. I, I'm really interested. I might talk to Aaron after this and say, why did you ask this question? Because mm. I don't think you play them. But... Okay, I think you can define a win more card pretty well. You're a very good deck builder. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a win more card is a card with a high ceiling. So, like, when it's good, it's amazing, mm. but a low floor. So, when it's bad, it's very it bad. Does nothing. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So, it, typically, the way that I think about it in magic terms, um, in commander terms, is like, does this card do anything on an empty board? And if the answer is no, it's probably a win more card. We've also sometimes referred to these cards as enhancers when we talked about our deck building yeah. and stuff. Um, look, there's, there's nothing wrong with having them. Like, you know, I have a Flicker deck and I have a Panharmonicon in that deck yeah. because it's incredible. It doubles all the ETBs. Yeah. It's just, it's worth having. Yeah. Um, but most of your deck should be the cards that do stuff on their own. Yeah, They correct. should be not the win more cards, not the cards that go turn your... I'm in lead to I'm miles ahead. You should have them, but they should be a pretty small fraction of your deck. I seriously run, I would if I had to estimate, I reckon it's five to six in a commander deck yeah, in total. I would probably agree. Um, I think it's really funny um, that like um, my mind's on CDH for some reason. The CDH doesn't have win more cards. No. The, the, the outside every, of combos. Every <laughs> outside of combos, yeah, hundred percent. Mm. But every card has a purpose 
in the deck on its own. Mm. Like it is either a card draw engine or it is a combo win. Like yeah. they are the they are the Or engines. it's like ramps you ahead by three mana. Yeah. You know, it's like, like hyper that. efficiency. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with you that a win more card is a card that has a very low floor. The other thing that I would classify as a win more card is anything that if played correctly blows the game out of proportion. So that's true. I, I would say if it's played in the right synergy or at the right time it will just completely win the game or like make it impossible to win. Mm. That doesn't mean that it's a combo or anything like that. It's just really, really game warping. Mm. But I don't think win more cards because the second part of the question is why, when should we cut them or why should we cut them? Mm. I don't think you should always cut them because a Panharmonicon in an ETB deck, oh, it's you great. shouldn't cut I wouldn't that. Cut it's that. really good. But if you, if someone asks you, and this is this is what I see a win more card as, and probably answering when you should cut it. If you're playing at a table, and you cast a card, and someone at the table kind of judgmentally goes, why are you running that? And you have to explain why you're running it. It's like, oh, it's really good when my commander's out, and when this enchantment is down, and this, this, this happens, this is really good. If you're answering that like that... Cut that card. Yeah. It is not doing anything else in the deck. Because did anyone go, wow, that's really good? No, someone was confused while you're running it. Mm. If anyone is at the table is confused while you're running a card, it's probably a win more card. Yeah. I, I think I would um I would further separate the cards here into two sort of micro categories, mm. which is um and it's to do with how many cards in your deck the card synergizes with. Because I think the kind oh, of win more one. cards that you should be cutting are the ones where, like, basically exactly what you just described. It's when someone says to you, this card is great when I have these specific two cards in my deck. Not the commander, yeah. right? It's different if it synergizes with your commander, because your commander you will always have access to for the whole game, A right? great example of this is Obosh, um, which we were talking about in the last episode, but that can lead to a full deck disassemble because your commander costs 13 mana. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like, yeah. that deck, yes, everything synergizes with Obosh, which is enough for it to be good in the deck. But, right. like, yeah, if you're if you're sort of scraping the barrel, or you're kind of saying to yourself, "Ah, oh, I know that this card is bad in these ten scenarios, but if I have this card and this card, then it's amazing." Then you should cut that card. Yeah, hundred percent. Sure. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things that if if someone's confused while you're running it, you should probably be confused while you're running mm, it too. Unless you got a really strong reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So all right, we're building the deck. We've we've included some cards. We've probably included. Two more Wing Kong cards, so we, we cut them out. Now we're onto a very specific part of our deck building, card draw. And mm. Jordan has asked this question, which is really funny, because jo I think Jordan does card draw really well in Commander. I agree. But Jordan has asked, what kind of card draw do you prefer? Passive, activated, or burst? Interesting. I am going to straight away call out Jordan. I'm going to call him yeah, out because I, I was, this is... This I was going to do it if you didn't. <laughs> this is a leading question because everyone who knows Jordan's deck building really well knows that he absolutely adores burst draw. He actually... He swears by it. If you ever question his burst draw, he will be like, what are you talking about? He, he won't be aggressive. He's, he's a lovely guy. I'm being stupid. But Jordan, I know what you're trying to get me to say. <laughs> all right? Let's fight. No. Oh, my God. He was looking directly at his webcam when Watson... <laughs> I was too. You were looking to 
directly oh my God. into it. Jordan, look, can you see me? It's really burst card draw, though. Like, I'm going to stick up for Jordan here. It's a sick way of drawing cards. I mm. actually didn't know a burst card draw really until Jordan really showed me it. And it was in his crew fix deck that he showed me it. I feel like, sorry, before we get too carried away, we should probably explain what we mean yeah. by passive activated burst card draw. Well, okay, so burst is really easy to explain. It's where you draw a lot of cards in one go. Yeah. And, and you've got all, then you've got all the cards in your hand. And it's typically one card that's drawing us all those cards. Great right? example, Mindspring. Yeah, Mindspring's yeah. a great example. Like, Harmonize is burst yeah. card draw. Um, I know one that Jordan loves is Rishkar's Expertise. Sick card. Really cool card. You draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control, and then you drop a five drop from your hand. That's so cool. Really cool yeah. card. Um, so that's, that's burst. Yep. So what would you describe as passive card draw? Okay, well, passive card draw is actually my preferred form of card draw. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to answer the question now, because p- passive card draw is where you'll slowly be drawing cards a great example of this is rhystic study that is a passive card draw engine in and of itself because eventually someone won't pay the one and you'll draw a card it's only one card but you're slowly as the game goes on continuing to draw right and and sort of I think we're calling it passive here because it's not requiring any input from us, right? Correct. If we just sit there with Rhystic Study on the table, I mean, look, these days at our store, most people are paying the one for Rhystic Study. Well but- done, everyone, by the way. Bravo, <laughs> you learned. <laughs> but we could also throw something like... Um, uh, Phyrexian Arena. I was just going to say, Phyrexian Arena is yep. a good example. So, like, no matter what, if we're... If we reach our draw step, our upkeep, sorry, we're drawing a card, yeah. right? So, it's just, it's doing it, but we're not... It's not requiring anything of us, and it's doing it over time. Yeah, and I think the reason why I like passive card draw so much... I mean, Phyrexian Arena is great. One black and black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, lose a life, draw a card. You are just drawing two cards per turn. Three mana enchantment means you're drawing two cards a turn. Loss of one life. We're playing Commander. What do you do? Like, awesome. The reason why I love passive card draw so much is you don't need to take time out of your turn or make a game action to draw a card. If you set it up early enough and you're passively drawing through your game, you will have all the cards you need at the right time in your hand when you need them. Mm. That's my argument for passive card draw. Look, sometimes um, you won't and sometimes you'll have to do, oh, I'll quickly do a brainstorm here. Draw a bunch of cards, get the right one and drop them. But like my Niv-Mizzet deck in CDH, it's really funny. A lot of CDH decks will like you know tutoring big card draw but niv does passive card draw so well mm. every instant or sorcery spell you draw a card well niv is, is an interesting one i almost feel like it bridges the line between passive and huh. activated because you could cast a yeah yeah true. when you cast yeah. spells that's kind of triggering it so like i um i i definitely see the appeal with passive i've played it before i yeah. play it in my deck still um to be honest i think i lean mostly towards activated actually yeah um, uh, well because i'm you a very explain activated yeah as well. so so activated i would differentiate from passive and interestingly like we're looking at two the perfect um, bridge antonyms right <laughs> yeah. like it's like if you are passive you're you're not engaging in something you if don't you're, have to do anything if you're active you are providing input in some way right yeah. and so activated card draw in commander is like Something that triggers when we do something is how I would describe it. Yeah. So, um, Beast Whisperer is we talk about it a lot. It's just so good in any creature based deck because every single creature you are casting is replaced. It's really itself. funny in the right deck, like in my elf deck, I would consider that such good card draw that yeah. it's passive because I'm wow. already casting all the creatures. I'd consider it passive. Yeah, that's you know interesting. I mean? That's interesting. I, I guess they would probably, you could, you could subdivide 
a- uh, activate it into things that just do it no matter what, and then things you have to pay a cost to activate. So like tap, pay a life, draw a card. Yeah, something like that. I'm trying to. I'm struggling to think of. Oh, greed. Like, greed's a great example. Greed's a fantastic example. Greed is a great example. I actually was just going to mention my Azor the Lawbringer deck. Oh, um, my first commander deck. Do I didn't even think about that. Uh, and actually, still, I still own that one. I've disassembled a lot of my old decks, but still got that one. But that one is, is Sphinx's Revelation on a creature, right? You yeah. play. You pay blue, blue, white. Maybe it's white, white, blue. I forget. And you draw X cards, gain X life. Uh, where you pay X, it's obviously. It's Sphinx's Revelation on a stick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, I, I think if I was to look at my decks, I play some passive, but not a lot. I definitely mm-hmm. play a lot of active, activated, and a lot of burst. I think having burst is really important. I think no matter what, you should not have exclusively passive and activated. Correct. You should have at least some burst because there's always going to be times in the game when you have two cards in your hand, you've got nothing better to do, but if one of those cards says draw three cards on it, like even if it's harmonize, if you just sometimes just cast harmonize, that's fine and sometimes it's going to be the best card in your deck so it can draw the card you need (laughs) yeah if you can because some colors are not so good at it but i would always play at least some burst no matter what yeah um but i like i like activated because it lets you have those turns where you just go off yeah the other thing that activated does as well is it can lean really heavily into synergies i just talked about greed greed is three and a black for an enchantment yep and it's one black pay two life draw a card that's the enchantment that card, if you're in a life gain, life drain, paying life strategy, my God, that and Font of Agonies on field. I knew you would say that. <laughs> I have, like, it's weird. When I play Greed now, I'm like, I need to get Font of Agonies because it's a, almost a combo. Like, you're paying, you draw four cards, pay four life, and then at any speed, you can pay two mana and blow up a creature. Yeah, that card's sick, actually. It's so specifically good. in your Liesa deck. Yeah, it's I really amazing. Like that. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I agree. I, I think there's definitely a, a spot for all of them, but um, yeah, it depends what kind of deck you're building and, yeah. and what your preference is. Now, I've got a question that is like going to be difficult to answer. It actually came from Theo. Um, what is your process of building a new commander deck from start to finish? If you had to oh, break it down. so now we're kind of speed running the process. Yeah, all right. Like, what? okay, let's say I lock you in a room and I go, right, well, Go, build a deck, start to finish. What's the right. process? Okay, so um, I I know we talked about like you can find a playstyle first, but once I find a playstyle, and you even alluded to this, mm. I always find a commander and that's my next step. I, I don't start, yeah. I know some people start building a deck and then they pick a commander to fit the deck. I never do that personally. I've never done that. No. And if anyone does that, comment because i yeah, really want to know do. what your process is yeah i feel That's like really someone like nick probably i could see him doing something like that like he like or, he's built like a token deck and then yeah. he's like oh i want it to be adrix and nev you yeah know? or another really great player at our store daniel because daniel plays a lot of standard yes daniel might be like building synergies in standard with standard cards and then go oh there's this new Jun commander from New Capenna that works perfectly. I'll put him in. Yes, I would agree with that. Interesting. I, I would like to know mm. if you b- build your deck before the commander. Yeah, tell us tell us for sure. Um, so, look, I, I've picked my commander. Um, I am a normie, and I go immediately to EDH Rec. <laughs> and um, admittedly, I uh, build on a budget. So, I yeah. have just grabbed pretty much every card that I think looks good and is like $2 or less yep. from EDH Rec. I chuck them all. I'm building on Moxfield. Moxfield's amazing. We're not sponsored, but holy... 
balls. They're so good. Yeah. Use Moxfield. Best deck builder platform out there. It's hands down. Every time I realize they don't have something, they add it. It's nuts. <laughs> anyway, I'm building a Moxfield. I'm chucking every card I think looks good um, in EDH rec. I then go through my whole collection of cards that I own, which admittedly is not enormous, but is like substantial. And I pick out anything I think that might be interesting, like actually anything. At this point, I'm not being selective. I'm just being like, this, this seems like it work. might be good. Yeah. Um, then I look at other decks I own just to see what like my staples are, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like I look, I look at another deck and I'd be like, oh, that's right. You know, like this is a no brainer. Yeah, me. this is a no brainer. I really like it. I'm going to play it anyway. Yeah, we'll yeah. chuck it in. Like, you know, I look at my green deck and go, oh, Reclamation Sage. That card's really, really good. In any green deck? Yeah, chuck it in. Boulder Get Recovery. Yeah, every green deck should run a Boulder Get Recovery. Yeah. Literally every green deck should run Boulder Get Recovery. If you've got the money, get it. 100% get it. Um, Then I use Scryfall. I did in the last episode. No, I think two episodes ago I talked about how... You, no, the budget episode. Budget episode. We I talked, talked about, about how I use Scryfall. Sure. So um, listen to that episode if you want to know. I, I basically input a few things into the advanced search feature to find the cards that I really want. Um, so then I find a bunch more cards, especially weird ones. This is this is the most creative part of my deck building. <laughs> um, and then I use the Moxfield tag feature to tag every single card in the deck um, with anything that applies to it. So basically what you can do with Moxfield is you can be like, um, okay, Reclamation Sage. Uh, if I'm building a Flickr deck, I would give it the... ETB um, tag. I would give it the ETB tag. Mm-hmm. It's going to be super relevant in a Flickr deck. And I'm going to give it target removal because that's a thing yep. that it does that it fulfills in the deck. And then the really cool thing is you can then sort your deck and it will show you the cards and it will show them in every category. So when you're, especially if you're yeah. going by the numbers, you're going to look at it and go like, oh, sick, I've got my 10 bits of targeted and removal or my 7 bits of targeted yeah. and removal there. And you're going to look and you're going to be like, oh, this Flickr deck has 20 creatures with ETBs. That seems sweet. I will make a really good point here that that feature, when I figured out that feature on Moxfield, it changed deck building for me because I used to do it on my playmat and I used to literally put them in piles. But then you'd get to a weird stage where you're like, this card does two things Mm. it draws me cards and it also drains my opponents like if i've got that strategy let's say yeah well so which pile do i put this in greed in your liesa deck you'd probably give it's card draw for sure but you also kind of have a life category life thing yeah so i've got okay so it fits in two categories when i'm on a play mat i've got one physical card where do Mm. i put it moxfield puts it in both because it's digital and computers are awesome and it's just it also has a really cool... If you are someone who's used to building on a playmat... Um, God, I just I just love raving about Moxfield. If you're someone who's used to <laughs> used to building on a playmat, there's a um, view setting you can use on Moxfield. I believe it's called Visual Stacks. I and use, it basically lays it out exactly like you would on a playmat. It mat. shows you that, that top row, the name of the card and the mana yeah. cost. And then you can just sort. Like yeah, if you have your tags, so you can sort by tags. You can sort by mana value. You can sort by name. You can sort by rarity. Set anything you want, Moxfield can do it. Oh my god, Moxfield sponsor us. Any- <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so like I've put a bunch of cards in this yep. thing. I've tagged them all. At this point, I'm usually at like 150 cards. Oh, I'm also chucking the basics in. Like I just get a oh, land yeah, yeah. count to like something reasonable so that I know like how many cards I've actually got. Um, and then I just start cutting cards. And the first few are pretty easy. And the last few are really hard. So I usually get it down to like 115, 110. And then, to be honest, I used to just buy... I used to cut it all the way down and then buy 100 cards. These days, I just tend to buy 110 cards. I I place a singles order. And that way, I usually make it so that I have a surplus of pretty much every category. So I've got like... And then is it like a 
play test process. Yeah, then I then in. I play tested. I'm kind of like, oh, I'm sort of missing ramp, and I sort of need a bit more. Chuck in that extra ramp spell I bought, and then nice. I'm like, oh, actually, I need more finishes. Chuck in that extra finisher that I have. Nice. Um, and yeah, then I go back to Scryfall, search for a whole bunch more cards, place a single slot, get all those, play test some more. Uh, yeah, it just goes round and round from there. But the the main thing is, yeah, that like that first bit is like EDH rec going through my cards, Scryfall. You're definitely using Moxfield. Definitely using the custom tags if you have the time to use it. And then it's just like cut down, cut down, cut down, cut down until I have something I'm happy with. It's really funny that whole process. I was like, yep, yep, I've seen that. I've seen that. (laughs) You've watched. I've watched this process a million times. (laughs) My process is a bit different. It's a lot more loosey goosey and a lot. God, our personalities show hard when we talk about this stuff. (laughs) Mine is a lot more loose. I generally will like build a commander deck on the day that I want to build it. Like, if I find the commander, I've got enough cards in my collection that I can make, at the least, a shit version of the deck. At the very least. And this is what happened with Liesa, funnily enough. One of my favorite decks. Built it in a night. I remember I finished it at about 2 o'clock in the morning. I remember that, I think. I then... It was during lockdown, and then when we came out of lockdown, I went to the store, and I was like, I've got this new deck. I think it's terrible. Let's go. And it was. It was pretty bad. Like, but it had good synergies. And then everyone was kind of like, oh, maybe you think about running this card. And I'd be like, oh, sweet, do you have it? And they'd pull out their binder and I'd be like, cool, I'll take that. And my deck building process from there on out is slowly and surely. Like, uh, slowly and surely my deck will get better. Liesa started as this, you know, old, you know, just shoved cards from my collection into a deck because I was bored. And now it sits at a really good power level and is in great deck. But it took a year to get there from mm. Commander Legends coming out. Yeah. I, I, I actually really like your process in that um, I feel like you, because you trade for so many more of the cards, I almost feel like you're fulfilling the dream of Magic the Gathering's creators a little bit more because they kind yeah, of want true. you to have a story for your cards, right? Yeah. So like some of the cards, you so often, I think more than anybody else that I have played Magic with, will be like, oh, I got this card from here. And especially like I have a memory I'm, link to it. Yeah, if I'm playing with you, you'll be like, "Oh, remember when I traded you for this card? I gave you this in exchange." And like you remember, and I do that a little bit myself. Yeah. But like you really do that, and I think that's really, I think it's really beautiful actually to look at a deck and be like, "This deck is like a conglomeration of minute stories that I have Over encountered time. playing this yeah. game, meeting people." Like that's, a, I think that's really lovely. I really do like that sentiment as well. I've never thought about it like that. And now I'm probably going to, cause we're going to play some commander after this, I'm sure. Um, I'm probably now going to play it going, okay, think about this card. Where did this card come from? And something that I just did recently was I realized that my collection was getting huge and I wanted to get rid of a bunch of cards because I, I don't trade that much anymore. Cause I kind of got 14 decks. I'm like at the point where I'm happy with commander and that kind of stuff. But I thought I'll shift some cards. So recently on our community page, I took a photo of every page in I my binder and I posted it up and I was like, hit me up, DM me if you want any of these cards. My phone was on vibrate while me and my partner there were playing um, on a game of Switch. Um, and on the coffee table, my phone every second was... Bzz, bzz, I, bzz. It I, got so many messages. I was at work today, but I really remember checking at one point. I just like was on Facebook um, following up on something else. And... Uh, oh my god, I hope my employees don't find it out. I checked Facebook one time <gasps> at work. How dare you, I Walter? I know, I'm fired. Using your um, full name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and I just happened to be on there, and um, 
I saw a comment on one of the pages that was Daniel being like, hey, I'd like that Archmage Emeritus, and you replying being like, it's already gone. <laughs> so, so fast. Yeah. So yeah. fast. And I, um, I also love there was one comment, there was one page that had a, cons- a Consecrated Sphinx, another really expensive blue card, and I think a Rhystic Static. It was like all on one page. It was like, boom. And wow. someone just commented, can I take all of these three? And I was like, that's an easy hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Dust my hands and walk away. Damn. But yeah, I think what you said about the, the spirit of Magic the Gathering, it's a trading card game. Mm. And I, I do like the way I build decks over time slowly by pulling cards out of other people's binders. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice sentiment to nice have, sentiment. for sure. Um, well, look, if we're going... We've been very positive about our deck building experiences. We do have a question that's a little bit more focused on the negative. And of course it comes from Vi. Of course it well. comes from Vi. Oh, we should be too. Vi's got lots of questions, actually. There's some great ones later. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those ones. Um, but Vi asks, what's the biggest deck building mistake you've personally made? So what's, what's the, what are the pitfalls of deck building, do you think? Oh, I know mine already. Yeah? And I've already talked about it, actually. Um, one of the rules that I break when I build decks is including a lot of mana rocks. The biggest mistake, and I remember I've got a really good story after this. The biggest mistake I rely, I do is I rely too heavy on mana acceleration and not enough about hitting every land drop. Mm. That is a huge detriment to me. And I'll tell you, I'm going to say Scarab God. Do you remember this? Uh, I remember I was tinkering with Scarab God for a while after I built it. <laughs> and when you're tinkering with a deck that you just really want to work, and I was really wanting with Scarab God to work at the time, you keep coming to this conclusion that I think every Magic player has been in this situation where you go, I'll just cut a basic land for this card. Oh, James. And it's I, the worst mistake you can make. I know, I know. <laughs> and this is the thing, like, everyone's, everyone comes up to me in the game store and is like, oh, can you give me advice here and here and here? Like, you've got a podcast, you know what you're talking about. I'm terrible. I really can't build decks. I'm a bad magic player. No. But this this was this definitely was my biggest mistake. I did a quick count. Actually, no. You told me about Moxfield. I'd never heard of it before. Oh, this is the first time you used it. And I put I Scarab this. God into Moxfield and I looked and I was like, hey Walt, how many lands do you run in like one of your decks? And you're like, oh, like 35 to 37, 40, depending on what deck it is. I'm like, hmm, I'm at 21. <laughs> And Walt's face, I can't describe it to you. It was one of these things of, you know, imagine, right, your dad, parent, guardian, mum, whoever it is, saying to you, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. (laughs) That was Walt's facial expression coming to me, like some sensei about deck building with Moxfield behind him. He was like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Let me show you the custom tags feature in Moxfield. Oh my god, I remember that day. And it was so funny because you'd had a bunch of really miserable games where you hadn't been hitting land drops, and it was like, well, this is why, I was like, I just can't draw lands. How many lands you got? I've got three. Uh, (laughs) One of our community members, actually, Callum, um, all always makes this joke it's one of these jokes that has now been said so many times people say it with him in sync of him making the joke it's oh i can't keep hitting my land drops and he'll ask what how much mana is your commander to cast like five and he's like you need five lands it's fine <laughs> three. Oh, it's three lands three lands in your commander deck it's uh, fine Cal's got a lot of sayings like that you know what I- ironically the one person who w- you would probably would understand your decision to run 21 lands is vi Vi runs like so 25, 25 lands in most of their decks. Actually, that is, I'm looking in the webcam now. Vi, I'm calling <laughs> you out. <laughs> um, I'm really curious. What's your biggest deck building blunder? Um, it, It's actually, I know we talked about the numbers earlier. Mm. I 
wrote them down wrong the first time I wrote them down. I thought it was like five everything. So I was like, I thought it was like five. You included pieces. five card draw pieces. Five wrath pieces. Oh, well. <laughs> I know. Admittedly, with my five wraths, I was wrathing constantly. <laughs> I remember the first time we went and played at the store and Callum was like, can we stop wrathing, please? Yeah, but you were wrathing the board because you'd be only drawing one card a turn uh, and it was a wrath. Because <laughs> I didn't have any card draw. Yes. Oh, so no. um, definitely when you look at those numbers of what people are recommending for card draw and ramp, 10's a really good one that I see often. I think it's fine. Um, er above, not below those numbers. There is nothing worse than sitting there. I mean, you've alluded to it with lands. The same is true of ramp. There's nothing worse than sitting there and not having enough enough mana to do the things you want to do. And even worse than that, I would say, is not having enough cards. Everyone hates top decking. Literally everyone. Yeah. So just, if you can avoid it, don't do it. (laughs) I 100% agree. There's actually no sadder look on any nerd's face than when they say the words land go yeah because that's all they can do like Mm. i my this is the reason why i run a lot of ramp and a lot of card draw is because at the very least the very least you've got a lot of mana and you've got a lot of cards in your hand yeah you're going to be doing something yeah you can't really miss can't really miss with that i'm really curious i'm gonna ask everyone else to put their biggest because this this one i think is probably one of the most interesting questions we've answered already Mm. tell us what your biggest deck flops have been your deck deck building flops i'm really curious i agree okay we're we're down another one we're killing it i specifically threw that away from you yes and you did very well thank you you did very well um now look before we go on james i wanted to take a moment to uh give a shout out to another platform so we we released this podcast on soundcloud and youtube Mm -hmm. but another platform that we recently have become more active in yeah tiktok Oh my god, we're gonna do dances with um, what's her face? I can't oh. remember her name. I'm not cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do dances with what's her face? What's her name? Look out for it, guys. Um, no, so <laughs> um, I released a uh, a TikTok video. Uh, it's a version of the text post that our community will be familiar with. Um, Thrifty Thursdays. I made it into a video. It's a bit rough. But um, I'd like to just actually, we'll, we'll play it for the YouTube videos. We'll also play the sound yeah. uh, for the SoundCloud video. So here it is. Uh, tell us what you think. Enjoy. What if Loyal Unicorn was your best friend? This is my best friend. Yes, she's a unicorn. Yes, occasionally she impales someone. <laughs> no, she will not eat an apple right out of your hand. Why does everyone keep asking me that? Look, she's many things. A friend, a colleague, a fearsome competitor, a war criminal, a malicious psychopath, a car salesman, but she is also really good at scratching the top of your head. But they didn't tell you that in the newspapers. (laughs) Together, we're unstoppable. Well, you know, she's unstoppable. Frankly, she could kill me in an instant. Get budgeted! Available now for only 40% of a US dollar! That's 40 cents! This is crazy! <laughs> <laughs> what if Loyal Unicorn was your 
bit. It's the car salesman bit at the end. It absolutely <laughs> sells that TikTok for me. The voice. Yeah. The, it's the, this is crazy. It's like, do, oh, do you remember Crazy John's? Oh, the phone it is. Dude? It's totally it's the Crazy, crazy John's John voice. Hundred percent. Yeah, agreed. Look, uh, that's a platform we're dabbling in, which is really exciting. Which we're gonna do more of. But if you would like to follow us on TikTok, it's G underscore Commander Community. So if you want to see some funny stuff that I've done, there's a bunch of stuff up there. Walt's now going to turn each Thrifty Thursday, or not each, I don't know about each, I don't <laughs> want to put too much on you there, but like... <laughs> 48 episodes later. <laughs> but the, the, the ones we love, the Thrifty Thursday staples, mm-hmm. into TikToks. Yeah, I, um, I'm i not going to go ahead and commit to any sort of schedule because I, I don't know, but I really enjoyed making the first yeah. one. I'm going to make some more. So yeah, follow us. Um, I'm definitely going to get better at editing as well yeah. which would be important and i'm just gonna be my stupid idiotic self doing tiktok trends but for magic so mm. follow follow us on tiktok i i think as well you you've mentioned before that you'd like to do a um a dialogue one with me so if oh. we yeah let's... one of our one of our podcast skits you reckon oh Video I mean, form? that's that's yeah. an interesting idea i was thinking like because some of the thrifty thursdays were were dialogues for those who don't know sorry i i had a weekly post in our facebook community Got Thrifty Thursdays that are like these really zany, strange advertisements for a card. So th- that video is a good example of one. Uh, but some of them are these strange dialogue scenarios. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> um, so anyway, there's, there's yeah. more to come. So follow us there. and um, Something and, else, actually. Yeah. Uh, Ellie and Vi, our two judges within our community, are looking at doing a bit of a judge series, possibly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Keep an eye out for that as well. Super keen. Um, so look, back to the Q&A. James. Which we um, still have heaps to go. Heaps to go. Um, we have some questions now. We're sort of moving out of deck building. Okay. Uh, and towards questions that I've sort of loosely categorized as being about the commander format. Like the format of Magic the Gathering. Interesting. Um, so right off the bat, Aaron asks, and it's sort of related to deck building as yeah. well, actually. Um, how do you tell when a deck is too powerful for your local meta slash play group? I feel like I am in a good position to answer this. Actually. I knew you would be. <laughs> yeah, I. so if you don't know the story of my Niv-Mizzet deck, um, it started off as a quote-unquote janky casual deck. Uh... And then we realized Niv-Mizzet is just a six-mana busted commander. It's, it's insane. So naturally the deck started getting better and better and better. And as I kept building it and tinkering with it, it became phenomenally good. And then there was a point where I had to choose, do I disassemble this deck or do I dip my toe into the deep, dark black hole (laughs) that is CEDH? And I made the decision to turn it into CEDH. I researched it quite heavily, looked up a lot of Niv-Mizzet control curiosity combo lists, and and then went for it. But in casual... There's a, there's a couple of indicators where that you're going to find that your deck is getting too powerful for your playgroup or your meta or even a store or even casual commander. Um, you could end up in that Niv-Mizzet spot where you just go, screw it, this isn't a casual commander anymore, this is CDH. Sure. First indicator, you're winning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually a good sign. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before about how even a good commander deck only wins about... 25% of the time. So, I mean, we've mentioned it in the context yeah. of, you know, you should have fun when you're losing. But equally, yeah, if a deck is winning substantially more than 25% yeah. of the time, it might be time to be like, oh, maybe I'm edging a bit yeah. too high here. Like, if something that you think is, I'm not winning enough, screw it, I'm going to get this deck out, 
you have now graduated to pub stomper. That's that's this <laughs> level you're on now. Uh, pub stomping is where you allude that you're not that strong and you go up and beat a bunch of people up in yes. a pub. But in magic, it's where you say my deck isn't that powerful and bring out a really powerful deck. So if you have ever thought I'm sick of losing, I'm going to bring out this deck because I know it will win. It's probably too powerful for that table. Mm, you shouldn't know you're going to win. Exactly. A hundred. You definitely. Again, we're playing with three opponents. 25% chance that we should win. That's that's generally, in a pot of four, 25% chance that you should win. That's a good commander game. Mm. The other thing that's a really strong indicator that is if your deck's too powerful is if you say, I'm going to play this, and your opponents make this noise, ugh, it's too powerful for the table. <laughs> yes, yes. I, w- I would say the same for when you are playing it as well. Yeah. If you find that a table, especially one that has a lot of banter and is having a lot of fun, that 20 minutes into the game it's gotten very quiet and people are looking kind of solemnly at their hands, you might be, assuming you're the reason that this has happened, it might <laughs> yeah. be someone else, but, you know, if if you can kind of tell that it's your deck that's doing that to people, yeah. I would also say that might be a sign that, at the very least... Doesn't necessarily mean you've gone like too powerful or whatever, but you've probably undersold your deck in the rule zero conversation, which you talk about all the time. Um, but if that's happening every game you play with yeah. that deck, then yeah, I completely agree. It's time to say, is it is it really is it powerful? Episode nine. Yeah. Farewell deck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, now the other thing that could be an indicator is if you're not reaching for it anymore because you know it's too good for every table you sit at. Mm. And we talked about this the other day, and Yuriko of my my deck yuriko is now weirdly at that point where i'm like is this too powerful for casual do i need to make a cdh or do i need to depower it i actually played it yesterday um just to be it was a pretty high powered table and i was like look i think yuriko is fair at this table it did not win and i kind of reassured myself hey maybe yuriko is still playable at good tables that's good to hear. Yeah. I do like that deck a lot. It's super fun. <laughs> um, Mainly because I didn't get Bolas' Citadel. That was the main reason. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that card's stupid. Uh, well, uh, our next question comes from Jordan again. Thank you for this, Jordan. Um, have you ever swapped cards into your decks specifically due to the store meta? What do you think of this? Um, I think I actually have an example here. I... Um, I have an Arami deck. I actually already mentioned it this episode. <laughs> I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, Arami is a blue-black commander that... Uh, I won't go into how Encore works. It's actually weirdly complicated, um, especially the way Arami does Encore. But basically, it lets you make copies of creatures in your graveyard, and you get multiples of them. So, the deck is full of creatures that have great ETBs or great death triggers, and you just reanimate them all game. You mill yourself. It's great fun. I <laughs> love it. It's one of my favorite decks um adam said that they associate it with me more than almost any other deck and i was like that's so interesting and it's weird yeah they must just see it all the time because i must just pull it out a lot because it's really fun never call you a blue black mill player (laughs) that's so weird (laughs) no um anyway but what was happening when i was playing this deck (laughs) i kept on playing against luke and luke loves to play rest in peace luke just loves to play esper evil he That's does mainly what he luke does for play. a little while his name in our like facebook chat was big meanie yeah, <laughs> one, it was too. one day he was like who changed my name to big meanie and i was like me stop was that after me. the game that you played him when it was rest yes in- yeah it that definitely would have been um anyway the thing about blue black is that you have one card that sort of semi-permanently deals with an enchantment because rest in peace is an enchantment that exiles your graveyard um and that's feed the swarm 
So if you, yeah. if I am playing my Rami deck, which admittedly does have that card in it, and I can't find Feed the Swarm, my deck does nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm just like casting creatures that have half decent ETBs and doing nothing else. I can't even set up by milling myself because rest in peace exiles everything, every time, everywhere. Um, <laughs> anyway, every I don't know if you can tell everywhere. I'm a little bit salty about it <laughs> still. Uh, but what I ended up doing is I started playing cards like Cranial Extraction. I actually don't know the card. It's three in a black. It's a sorcery. There's a few versions of the effect. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but the, the vibe is the same. <laughs> it's like four cards to do this. It's giving Cranial Extraction vibes. <laughs> <laughs> you basically search an opponent's hand graveyard and library for a card and exile it. Whoa. Yeah. So, like, in a lot of formats, this card's pretty sick. This lets you be like, hey, I know your deck is going to run this card. It's gone forever. It's a CDH fringe thing to do. Potentially. You can get rid of certain win cons. Like, I know in Godo decks... A, oh, a that's lot of people try and hit that helm really helm, quick. yeah, yeah. Like, if you can get rid of helm permanently. Yeah. That's true, that's true. It's um, a fringe thing on CDH. So some yes, people play it. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And look, it, it, I never cast it. I never cast it. Because, I'm not shocked. How often are you going up against Luke? Well, this is the thing, right? <laughs> I was specifically thinking of times where I was would be playing against Luke... And I was playing a Rami, and he was playing a deck with Rest in Peace. Like, yeah. we talked about win more cards. That's a win more card I've ever heard of, oh, right? 100% is. Um, and I want to make a little bit of a, a... I mean, Jordan did ask, what do I think of of, of choosing cards designed for the store meta? Um, I think you should avoid it, as a general rule. Yeah. Um, I, you really don't want to start an arms race where you start playing cards that make people like, I almost, I love Luke, but I, I almost blame him a little bit for playing a silver bullet card against a graveyard deck, which is rest in peace. Yeah. So like he kind of made me want to run cards that would stop him from doing that because it completely switched off my deck. Yeah. Um, I generally think you should avoid and again, we're talking about casual commander here. Yeah. You should avoid cards that t- completely stop one or more players from playing the silver game. Silver bullet is a nice way to put them. That's a good yeah. that's a good way of phrasing it. Silver bullet cards. Um I think, you know, play your removal, play your board wipes, um, have versatile removal, have versatile board wipes. In general, especially in Casual Commander, try to avoid casting things that just turn off one strategy because yeah. like just put yourself in that that in those shoes if you're playing a graveyard deck and someone plays rest in peace and especially if you're in colors that cannot deal with a rest in peace like just imagine you're in that game how do you feel you feel terrible yeah so I, yeah I, actually, I, I think don't do it basically i'm gonna paint a, a visual picture in the movie detective pikachu there's an incredible <laughs> great, start great start to any story in the movie detective pikachu starring ryan reynolds oh, what a great start great there is film. a really great gif of pikachu out in the rain looking really sad i do know that one that was walt's face playing against rest in oh. peace in the rally it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's not good. Um, it, it Look, silver bullets always feel bad. Like, mm. they always suck. Like, something that I found um, recently, which is a absolute... Like, if you're playing CDH, it's a different category, again. But there was this card that was played in a CDH deck that I'm like, I've never heard of this card before, and I'm so glad I haven't in casual. Get this. Every time you cast a spell, which in Commander you do every now and then, just once or twice a turn, maybe, mm-hmm. you bounce a land to your hand. 
Oh, I, f- oh, I don't know the name of this this card. It's, I can't remember the name of the card, and I'm it's really a, hoping it's an it's actual a- combo piece, though. It is phenomenal, and it was a combo piece in the deck I was playing against. Yeah. It was a landfall thing. It was yeah. it was insane. It was really cool to watch. But oh my god, uh, I was playing. I just oh, I hate cards that just completely turn off a deck. Yeah, I hate playing against them. Yeah, I don't. I try not to get salty, but yeah, those kind of cards are are rough to do. And then then mm. yeah, and you force people to play this. The when I read this question, I actually thought very specifically of a time I took a card out of Niv Mizzet. By the way, Niv Mizzet Perun is a spell slinger commander, card draw engine. Is it? Would you ever think about running the card? Stigma Lasher. I knew it. I knew you were going to mention it. <laughs> you evil man. I you have... evil, evil man. We've actually booked Walt in for therapy after this podcast. Uh, um, I'm going to need it. That, that card is just stupid. So, so, so for you, those that don't know, it's go. red, red for a 2-2, but it has wither. So any damage dealt to a creature, it's done in the form of Negwon counters. But it has the text on it. It says, if Stigma Lasher would deal damage to a player, that player cannot gain life for the rest of the game. The game. Now, at the time when I ran this card, Walt was playing his Azor, the Lawbringer deck, which is a life gain strategy. Life gain card draw. Life gain card draw payoff. Um, And that, if I hit him once with it, which, by the way, not only did I run that, I ran uh, Rogue's Passage in Niv-Mizzet to ensure I could hit you with it. (laughs) That's how much of a dick I was. <laughs> uh, I, I will say with these silver bullet cards, I think they're more common in smaller metas, right? Like, especially Correct. if you if you don't play in a store and you just have a play group, I reckon this is way more of a thing. Um, and I still think you should avoid it. Mm. Um, I think you should, like, if you find you're always running into the same problems, it's like I said before, um, make sure your removal is versatile. Like, you know, if you have the means don't run only creature removal have the way to interact with artifact a way of interacting with enchantments in general i wouldn't bother about planeswalkers because you can always just kill them with combat damage but like yeah if you can try to have removal in your deck that deals with creatures artifacts enchantments but don't do these silver bullet cards that make someone feel awful for the record my silver bullet card stigma lasher was included in my deck when it was basically just our share house playing magic and that was all we played we frequently didn't even have a full play group of four it It was was usually three three of us so so. we had a very contained meta like we started running things that specifically dealt with um really big eldrazi because we needed to. Yeah, like, I actually just the other day took Tragic Slip out of my Meron deck, which yeah. I had for the longest time, and I specifically put it in because it was Neg 13, 13 which would deal with an indestructible Eltrazi. There you go. It's like the it's, only way to do it. Look, I think Silver Bullet cards, if you're... Again, I think this... What I've learned about this episode, episode 10, is be constantly asking yourself questions when you're building decks or playing decks or revising decks, and ask yourself, when you put a card into your deck, why am I putting this in the deck? Mm, yeah, have some awareness of yeah. what you're doing. Speaking of, um, James. <laughs> yeah. Vi has asked you, why do you play magic wrong? Uh, right. Why do you play blue and red? Oh, which is objectively wrong for Vi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fair enough. For Vi. Uh, also, I will add, Michaela also asks, James, why do you hate green? Oh. Uh, I think that there's something in common here across these questions. James, do you want to address... Uh, the criticisms that have been leveled at you. Do you hate green? I, Why do you play magic wrong? My God, I feel like this is a press conference after a <laughs> sports game or something. Um, 
Look, I got a lot of messages about this when we put the the Q and A episode out, and I said, "Send me messages, send world messages." And I and I got asked, "Why do I hate green? Why do you own? Why are you so invested in blue red?" Look, I think the blue red thing happened accidentally. I think I liked playing Niv Mizzet, and I just built it, and I got so attached to it, and I loved how it won all the time. I loved that it was powerful, and slowly started to like it. Then I started to realize that it actually encapsulated my personality and my philosophy around myself, around how I approach Commander, because each color of the Magic's wheel has a philosophy in of itself, right? Mm, Especially when you combine two together. Especially when you combine two. Just, if you've not got it, actually, I really recommend it. If you're a D&D player as well, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica is a D&D book that um, Wizards of the Coast printed. It was the first one that they did where it crossed the borders of Magic and D&D. Mm. Now they're doing it all the time because it prints money. Yeah. Um, well, but, they also own all the IP, yeah. so they don't have to pay anybody to do that. It's it's just such a cool thing for nerds. Thank you, Wizards. Yes, thank you, Wizards. Um, but Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica really goes in depth about the philosophy of each guild and what it represents and what they value. Right. And I looked at the values of each of the colors on the wheel and blue and red were the things I value most. I value knowledge, uh, which is very blue. I value being learned, being well-informed, not ignorant. And I really like the red's uh, philosophy of passion Mm, and doing creativity creativity and doing things quickly, living like you're probably not going to get tomorrow, (laughs) which is like a red spell. Take an extra turn after this one. If you don't win, you lose the game. Like that combined with being really informed and really aware is exactly what I believe I am, mm. I, or I try to be, or I value. I think you are. So that's why I like blue-red. I, I like blue-red because it's it's I'm the smartest person in the room, and I'm going to make sure everyone knows it, but I'm going to make sure I do it in this extravagant way. And like if you look at the cards from Ravnica that it isn't related... Lots of lightning, lots mm. of lots of geniuses in labs with things going on. Um, mad scientist vibes, for sure. Super mad scientist vibes. Yeah. So that's what I really love. And I think over time, the more I investigated is it, the more I really just was like, yeah, this is 100% who I am. For sure. And the is it nails then started being a thing. Mm. I got an is it pendant. I yeah. now actually have a pair of Nike Air Force Ones that are customized to Niv Mizzet. Uh, I think if we can, let's try and throw up a photo on the YouTube video I'll, of them. They look, sure. they do look really cool. Because you, you did write Niv Mizzet on them for the SoundCloud listeners. Yeah. But you also... Um, or Niv Mears, you wrote on yeah. it. But you also customize the colors. So they're, they're yeah. like white and black, but they're also blue and red. Yeah. And um, like the, they tongue, look... the tongue is red, the yeah. Nike swoosh is blue. They look really cool. They look really, really cool. Easy. Yeah. Um, but look, to address the criticisms about green. Now, I do not hate green. I play green. I have a Zaxara deck. I have a Siona deck. I'm building Bear Force 1, which is mono green. I talked about the fact I had a mono green Gishath deck not longer. Uh, Galta deck. Galta yeah. deck. And I have Gishath as well, obviously. Yes. So I don't hate green. I do think green is treated like the youngest child from Wizards. They get <laughs> everything. It's like the spoiled youngest sibling. Yeah. Blue's over here being like, what? You can't green another way to draw cards? That was my thing! I do that! And then Red's in the corner just banging its head against the wall, just making chaos, not getting any attention. And they're like, Red card draw? They can draw a couple and maybe play them this turn. James, white is the middle child. Forgotten. White is the middle child. Forgotten. Black is the one that ran away from home. Yeah. (laughs) 
Black is the it rebel. It was really good ages ago, <laughs> and it's just still good today. It <laughs> ran away, and it's still fine. Oh my god. Um, I actually, I was, it's funny, like, I, I guess you have a sort of persona, and especially people at our store, um, experience you mostly through this persona. Um, and <laughs> Unfortunately, I was, <laughs> to my detriment. Yeah, well, I was, I'm gonna say, like, I have spent so much time with you not as the persona. I've seen the persona, obviously, a lot, but I yeah. also just, like, spend a lot of time with you in general. You've seen me on a Saturday morning in my dressing room. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And so, like, when people are like, you hate green... Um, I was like, James has so many green decks. Like, in my head, I was just yeah. immediately like, elves, dinosaurs. Um, yeah, really you cool. had a Golta deck. You had a Havasiona deck. Zaxara. I was like, yeah, there's like stacks of green decks that James plays. But it's just funny. Like, yeah. I think it's because you identify with the philosophy so much. It's really obvious. Whereas I think a lot of people would not so much immediately think of me as the, the Selesnia guy. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, I mean, you mentioned just before, Adam said that um, they said that Amorami was the deck they associated with you. Yeah, I mean, look, I think this is the thing, is that, like, <laughs> more than you, like, you have a bunch of decks that are different colours and you definitely have a bunch of green decks. Mm. I, I'm the same. I also play mine very equally. I don't really play favourites so much. I definitely play favourites. You play favourites <laughs> a lot. And so I, I feel like people, every time I come in, like, some people who don't know me so well are probably like, wow, every time what comes in is a new deck. And it's like, I actually have a fixed number of decks, I promise. It's just that I rotate them yeah. a bunch. So and I only play, play with all. you once a fortnight. And yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. But look, for, sure. for the record and voice recording, <laughs> I'm just going to get closer to the mic so it's well. No, but I, James Alvarez, do not hate green. <laughs> but can it stop getting everything? Oh my god, now this feels like a press conference. It's like, yeah. James, address the allegations, address the allegations. I don't hate green. How many? I don't hate green. I love green. I've got many green friends. <laughs> I've got um, many green- Oh, God. I need to calm down. Oh, sorry. Deep breaths, James. (laughs) It was the American accent. Oh, my God. So, we're going to get political, and I don't want to do that. But far out, that was funny. (laughs) I've got so many green friends. Uh, Uh, Have you seen me? I'm friends with Walt. He plays green. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, Okay. All right. We're going to move on. We're going to jump into the next question. Let's do it. All right. David, um, one of our high-powered players at our store. Helped organize our CDH event. Yes. Thank you very much. An incredible event. I'm sure you all can agree with. Yeah, I agree with Um, David actually runs a lot of Stacks decks, and he's talking about Stacks. How do you feel about Stacks in Casual Commander? Casual Commander is specifically stated yes. there. Yes, and I'm, I I feel like David added that caveat because he knew that yeah. if he just said, how do you feel about Stacks, we would start talking about CDH because David is asking us. Yeah. So D- David's asking how you feel about Stacks in Casual Commander. I... I think it depends a whole lot on the stacks. And I'm sorry to be that guy to be like, it depends. But it really does. There there are like really, really varied things that are can all considered stacks. Rhystic study is considered stacks. It can be. 100% it can be. Yeah. Like there are there are cards that say things as um innocuous as like you can only play one land a turn or like you know if you play a multi- a second land you have to bounce a land to your hand i hate that card i know exactly what um confounding about. conundrum that's it that's yeah. considered a stacks piece that's like pretty innocuous but yeah. like you know it's annoying but it's innocuous printed as a sideboard card in standard when zendikar rising came out yeah <laughs> versus stasis which says like Ugh. you basically don't get to untap 
Um, which is horrible, absolutely horrible to Has play against. Has killed me, actually, in the past. Uh, because of your pact of negation. Yeah, yep. didn't have the money to pay for it. Yeah. Um, so, look, I I actually, I like stacks. I don't know what it is about it. I think it's the, the only way I can conceptualize CDH in my head. Everyone's like, play a million spells, win with a combo. And I'm like, what if you, what if you couldn't do that, though? <laughs> Wouldn't that be so fun if you just couldn't? Walt just grew two big eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> and they're angled completely down into the uh, middle of his head. I actually, um, in the CDH event the other day, played in it and played a uh, Yashan um, Implacable Earth yeah. uh, stacks deck. Can I just say, if you were to continue down the CDH route, which I'm not entirely sure if you will or not, maybe. Maybe. I see that as your deck. Yeah, you, you piloted I really that liked like it. you liked it, and you sent it. You yeah. yeah. So I've got a, I've got a special place in my heart for stacks. I um look. I think I feel okay about sort of the fairer versions of stacks. And if someone was like, "Hey, I'm playing like this kind of stacks piece," most of the time I'm probably inclined to be like, "Yeah, let's do it." Mm. Um, I think like. Anything remotely staxy, you should warn the people you're playing with yes. about it beforehand. Um, a thing that I've been doing, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, I do this in general, but specifically I have a Sisse Shrines deck that runs a bunch of stacks pieces. Mm-hmm. I pull every single one of them out of the deck and I just say, okay, like this is what I'm talking about. I have some yep. stacks. It's going to be things like you can't cast more than one spell a turn. Yep. Things like creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield yep. from Kenoros, um Hand of Death. It's going to have Lavinia. You can't cast spells with mana value greater than the number of lands you control. Yep. It's going to be things like Sphere of Safety. You can't attack me unless you pay X, where X is the number of enchantments I control. Like this is the kind of things that are going to happen. Yep. And look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Most of the time when I pull out Sisse and say, hey, I've got this Shrines deck, it runs some stacks pieces, here's what they are. People don't say, no, I won't play with you, but they kind of go, oh, oh, maybe I'll swap decks. And I go, no, that's fine. The fact that you're thinking of swapping decks means I know that this isn't, isn't the pod for it. Yeah. And I put it away again. I'm so glad you ended that like that. Because what I wanted to say is, because I think this this episode of our podcast isn't recommendations. We're not making recommendations here. We're just answering questions that you guys have asked personally. We're actually trying to think about this the least we can and kind of talk about it kind of off the cuff, all that kind of stuff. But in terms of stacks pieces, there's a salt meter, right? And Mm. stacks pieces generally sit pretty high. Yep. Like if you go onto the EDH rec website, there's actually a tab where you can look up the, there's, there's a the salt, salt rating. Yeah. And they actually, they're, they're pretty good at updating that. They do, yeah. they do the quiz every year and see how cards like adjust over time. But like most of the cards you'll see on there are winter orb, smoke stacks, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And cause they're really long hated salty cards. Right now, I personally, again, I'm like, well, I don't mind stacks. I don't go on going up against it in casual commander in CDH. Don't mind. But something that I will say as a but here is we are a big advocate for rule zero conversations mm. and making sure that you're having the right game of commander with the right people with the right cards. Stacks cards are one of those like red fire alarm type cards where you should be talking about them. And it's not a question that we like if if you're at a table and you go, oh, yeah, I can play this deck because James and Walter, they're fine with stacks at a casual table. No, 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 no. We're not at that table. <laughs> Check with your table. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It really depends who you're playing with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Warn them a lot. Um, but I love stacks. I, I my sister shrines deck. I'm really proud of the fact that it plays that stacksy way because I kind of built the deck to play around the stacks. Like, yeah. there's a bunch of ways that make it so that pa- players can only cast one spell a turn, because Sisse has a five-mana activated ability that gets 
all the best spells in your deck onto the battlefield. Yeah, so you don't smart. care about the casting yeah. things. It's activated abilities, baby. Yeah, exactly. See, it's funny, we're talking about stacks and I actually was like, I don't have a stacks deck. Oh, but I have a Liesa because that runs Rule of Law, um, mm. the Windborn Muse, it runs those kinds See, of things. See, I would call most of the effects in, I would call Liesa's effect a stacks. Because it's costing you two life for every spell. Yeah. And I used to refer to that deck is death and taxes, light on the taxes, heavy on the death. <laughs> That's how I used to refer to it. But I'm actually going to, tonight actually, you know what? Tonight I'm going to go look through it and I'm going to put a couple more light-hearted stacks pieces in i think cool yeah sounds good sounds i am james alvaro's walt dyson okay with stacks pieces yep there you for go. sure um james one for you i think sure uh i mean look i'm interested as well but i'm interested to hear what you say about it mm. um vi again has asked what is the most appealing thing about casual commander for you i love casual commander it's funny i'm glad that I get to answer this question because I feel recently I've been preaching CDH and playing a lot of CDH, but casual commander is where I smile the most. That's, that's where I enjoy magic. CDH is like a, a puzzle and a problem that I have to solve. And I'm very competitive when I get in CDH. Mm, it's a different mindset. For it's a sure. different mindset. It's the difference between riding a motorbike through the country and riding it in a race. Yeah. The difference, right? That makes sense to me. Yep. So when I'm riding my motorbike through the country, playing casual commander, there are things that I think that you cannot get anywhere else except in a game of commander and the biggest one and i'm gonna sound like the president of our community is the community aspect of it this is something that we have recently unlocked in our community space which is not just a group of friends but a wider community of people coming together with a common interest and i've been blown away by how big that can get and how heartwarming mm. it can feel to be a part of it. So if you're not from our community, every Tuesday night we have our Commander the Gathering night, which is where we all just get into our local game store at Good Games Greensboro, and we just play a bunch of casual Commander games. We also do a raffle, which is a really fun, kind of janky way that we decided that we were going to do every week because it brought us all in the store together at the front of the store when we drew out the raffle. And every single week I get up to draw the, the the prize and usually it's a great opportunity for me to update the community on this podcast or another event that's coming up, something like that. And I am not a person that gets stage fright. I am fine with talking in front of crowds. But with this community, I get this weird kind of version of stage fright where it's I look out and every single person there I've got a, some kind of personal connection with. It's like a room full of maybe 80 people and I'm like... I care about every single one of these people so much and they care about me and this game and this this thing that we do on a Tuesday night. I think part of the reason why I've become so emotionally attached to this is I had my 25th birthday um, a couple of days ago. You did. Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank Let's you. get some happy birthdays in the comments, uh, please, for James. You. 25. That's like quarter life crisis time, right? <laughs> That's where it should happen. Sure. So I did a bit of self-reflecting and I looked on things and something that I realized as I've gotten older is hanging out with friends is increasingly hard mm. to, to organize. Everyone's got busy schedules. Everyone's busy. Everyone is busy. Now that we're out of lockdown as well, everyone's just nuts. I'm glad that we, me and you, have this podcast is because every, you know, every fortnight we've got an excuse to come together and chat. It's true. Bizarrely, yeah. I think for a lot of you who know how good friends me and James are, we actually don't see each other that much outside of playing Commander on Tuesdays, 
uh, pauper on Mondays every now and then and, and this podcast, this podcast. Yeah. yeah so it's a good excuse and it's again magic has brought us together in that way but now I have a, a huge community that I get to hang out with every single Tuesday night I wouldn't give that up for all of King's Gold like at all mm-hmm. like I think that is just so special there's a bunch of other things that I, I love about Casual Commander as well the, the social aspect of being able to sit down and talk while you're playing. It's like playing mm. board game. Um, we used to have um, game night with my family when we were little, where we'd play Monopoly or Snakes and Ladders was an absolute winner. Um, we loved Snakes and Ladders when we were kids. Of course. Me and my sister had one of the ones where it's like an outdoor version, oh, where you're the pieces amazing. and a big blow up dice. Yeah. Remember that Sick. so fondly. So awesome. we used to do that. And I think the reason I like Casual Commander is because while you're playing... You pause a bit, you talk about something that's outside of Commander, you talk about your week, you talk about work, you talk about your love life, you talk about whatever it is. You can't get that anywhere else while you're doing something that's as fun as playing a game of Commander. Mm. The other thing that I love, which we just spoke about, is self-expression. I believe that Red Blue encapsulates who I am as a person. So when I play a Red Blue deck, it's like I'm communicating who I am to the table through this art form, weirdly, which is deck building. Yeah, I agree. How bizarre. I completely agree. I I definitely resonate a lot with the, um, yeah, it's sort of like being an excuse to see people. Mm. Um, I uh, I don't drink, actually. Some people might not know about me. I do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it's, it's actually difficult... Um, when you don't drink, especially in a, in a country like Australia, I won't get into it, but that has yeah. a lot of drinking involved in just the social life that we live in. That's the culture. Um, it's difficult to find places and reasons to spend time with communities of people that do not involve or revolve around alcohol. In, um, yeah, in Australia, and especially in our age bracket too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm only a year older than James, so 25, 26, like that's what a lot of people are doing, right? Yeah. Um, and... It's also, like, you would think, you know, you sort of say to yourself a lot, especially when you get into your 20s, you're like, oh, you know, I could just, like, call that person and we could just hang out. You know, we could just, I could just hang out with blah, blah. But, like, in practice, especially when you're a guy and it feels a bit harder to do this yeah, kind of true. scheduling, it's a lot easier to have an excuse to hang out and be like, hey, do you feel like doing this? You know, yeah. do you feel like seeing a movie? And I love Commander because no matter what I do for my work and for every other aspect of my life, if I can, I will go on a Tuesday night and I will spend, mm. you know, three to four hours with people hanging out, laughing, having fun. And there's actually, like, it is hard to find communities that don't revolve around alcohol yeah. that are like that. So I, I and think so it's frequent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Scheduled in, no matter what, it's going to be week. there. Yeah. It's really valuable. Yeah. And um, yeah, I agree. It's the best thing about Casual Commander is you, you're really. Yeah. The game is kind of an excuse just to spend time with people. And the people that get you. And some, the, the last thing I want to say on this point is about... This is actually in our um, company's um, constitution that I wrote. And it's our mission statement. And our mission is to become the... Sorry, our vision is to become the player's choice of Magic the Gathering in Australia. But our mission is to create a safe and welcoming environment for people of all backgrounds to come and express themselves through the form of magic. Now, recently, I won't name them, um, but we had a a brand new member come into the store that was very nervous um, to come into the store. They had, A, never played Magic the Gathering before. Wow. B, had never gone into a game store before. 
So huge for that person huge to, to have taken the step of come to the store, play a game you'd never played before. Yeah. Massive step. And I was having a chat with them and I was so impressed by their, you know, ability to go, right, social anxiety, going to overcome this and step foot into here. And this was on one of our Tuesday nights, um, which, as you know, busy. Yeah. Really socially A lot of active. people in that room. Now, a lot of people in that room including, you know, you know, yourself, like you've admitted to having some social anxiety tendencies before that room, even though it is chaotic and loud and hectic and so many social things happening is a safe space Mm. for so many people in our community that they feel like they can express themselves and talk and be comfortable and be accepted. We've got people from all backgrounds, all sit on the gender spectrum in every capacity, sexual orientation, racial background, and they feel accepted and safe in that game store. What an awesome thing we've created. Mm. And I had this conversation with, I'll name this person because I'm giving him props, Johnny. Johnny actually mentioned something from personal. I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but Johnny actually said before he came into this community, the only way he would talk to friends and talk to people is when he was playing online video games through a headset. Right. When was the last time you had a deep and meaningful conversation with someone through a headset on a computer? Yeah, can't remember the last time. How many times have me and you been playing pauper at the kitchen table? And had a good conversation. Yeah, you know, stacks. Heaps. Heaps. And this is this is something that I think is also incredible about the casual commander format. Because you are getting minimum three, four people in a room together that care about each other, love and accept each other, and have a common interest. Mm. That is a safe space. That is what a safe space is. That's yeah. what it should be. I completely agree. Damn, Great got... question, Vi. Yeah, question. thanks, Vi. Uh, very philosophical <laughs> in the end there. But look, you know, we have a podcast. We really care about the format. Yeah, so, 100%. Um, yeah, again, thanks for asking us that. Um, Jordan's got another one. Uh, it's kind of going back to the deck building a little bit, okay. but sort of more about the format still, I would say. Um, Jordan asks us, have you ever intentionally downgraded a card in your deck? Um, so the example he gives is, have you swapped a card for a less powerful version of the same effect? I don't think I've ever swapped it out for a less powerful version, but I have just gone, I'm removing this card from the deck. Oh, which um, card? Uh, we have, I mentioned it a couple of times, like Freed from the Real and Penzara oh, from Zaxara. Yeah, just the S- infinite combo. Screw it. I was like, this deck, it, it's now boring. Like, yeah. and I didn't want it to be that. So I yeah. just took it out and I replaced it with basic forest, baby. <laughs> like, all you need to do, if, you, if you've got a problematic card and you talked about this with Kaza, um, where it's a really problematic card is ghostly flicker. Yeah. You sneeze and that thing combos. Mm. Take it out. Put a basic island in. Problem solved. Yes. If you have a one card that's super problematic, take it out, put a basic land in. Yeah. Don't even spend a second to think about yeah. it. Well, or like the example that I use with um, Ghostly Flicker is I actually have a card or two in like the commander doesn't have an actual sideboard, but they sit in the box with the deck, a couple of spare cards. Um, no, yeah. And so I can just swap Ghostly Flicker out for something else. I think I... Who says commander doesn't have a sideboard? <laughs> <laughs> I think these days I'd leave Ghostly Flicker out, but um, yeah, yeah I, I don't think I've... <sighs> intentionally downgraded a card i think the only deck i've done this for specifically would be i i had my azor the lawbringer deck which mm-hmm. i've talked about a few times this episode um it was my first commander deck uh 
and I have upgraded it a lot yeah. over time. From the day where it was pulled from an iPad box out of the underground <laughs> of the house. The iPad box full of, yeah, yeah. janky, unsleeved, Random. dirty cards. <laughs> um, yeah, I had this super janky thing. I basically just wanted an excuse to play Chasm Skulker and Ajani's Pride Mate, because I thought those two cards were the coolest things ever. Chasm Skulker still is one of the coolest cards It's ever. still in the deck. I I have a similar card to Ajani's Pride Mate, which is the one that has double strike if you have 25 or more life. What? That's Otherwise, wild. it's the same thing. And this calls like something paladin. Really cool card. Anyway, just quickly, uh, Chasm Skulker. Every time you draw a card, you put a plus one counter. When it dies, it basically all the plus one counters turn into one one island walking squids. squids. Yeah. A Johnny's Pride Mate is whenever you gain life, you put a plus one counter. On Thank you. I completely mate. missed that. That some people would know that. <laughs> um. Anyway, because I just kept on putting more and more powerful cards in it, I was like, and as, to be honest, because you were building a CDH deck, like it wasn't when. Because it was CDH, but it was getting competitive. Yeah. I was like, oh, what would Azor look like if I made him really, really strong? And so I just kept putting in more and more, like, really strong cards. Um, cards like uh, uh, Aura of Silence. Oh, yeah. One by one enchantment. You can sack it to destroy an artifact or enchantment, but it also makes artifact and enchantment spells your opponent's cast <laughs> cost two more. It's really good. So that's a good example of stacks, yeah. actually, funnily enough. Um, anyway, I, I put all these cards in, and then... I found that there was never a pod that it was good for. I played in a high-powered pod and actually still wasn't quite strong enough for, like, really high-powered. I never played CDH with it. But it wasn't really powerful enough for high-powered, and it was way too annoying and awful to play against for casual. So I ended up just, like, just pulling the plug and being like, that's it, it's becoming a casual deck again. I went the opposite way and took out, like, a bunch of the stacks. Put the pet cards back in the deck. Basically, yeah. yeah. I ended up putting in... I actually, the other day, cut him again. But I put, for a little while, I had Daxos of Miletus in the deck. Do you remember when that was a card? He was there? an alternate commander option for a yeah, while, right? Yeah, yeah. If people yeah. really didn't want to play against Azor, I would swap him out. I never actually ended up doing it. But he's, like... One white blue. I think he's a three three. He can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Yeah. And um, when he deals combat damage to a player, they reveal the top card of their library. You gain life equal to its mana value, and you can cast it this turn. But you have to pay the mana mana cost. You, have, you can you can pay any color mana of any color, but you have to pay the mana cost of the card. James has pulled it up on his phone, and Walt is so close. The only thing that he got wrong yeah. is it can't be blocked by a creature's power three or greater. Three or greater. Yeah, oh, it's a two-two, and it's a two-two. Yeah, that makes more sense. And so, by yeah. the way, this is back in the day when Daxos was just an, a legendary human soldier. He wasn't no demigod yet. Nah, nah. <laughs> back in the day. Um, anyway, so yeah, I ended up taking out a bunch of the really, really strong interactive cards and really strong stacks pieces. Yeah. And putting back in the fun, goofy synergy. I put yeah. Paladin class and Wizard class in the deck because they're just kind of wacky. And like, if you can level them all the way yeah. up, they become amazing. And... It's really funny. I'm actually going to name a card that I took out of a deck that I'm thinking about putting back in a deck just because it's fun. Nasset Metamorph. Oh, uh, yeah. One in a blue for a weird little 1 1. Whenever it attacks or blocks, you target an opponent and you reveal cards from the top of their library until you reveal a creature card. Nasset Metamorph becomes a copy of that card until end of turn. I used to run that in Yuriko because there's a really <laughs> weird synergy in Yuriko that if there's a big creature deck at the table, you can have this awesome effect by punching one player for a lot of life, or you get a weird creature with death touch or something that they don't want to block. It yeah. generally, sometimes you'll get a creature that just comes out and is really good and they don't block it. Then you can ninja, ninja it, it to back. It. Yeah. And it's cheap enough to then put back down as a blocker, yeah. which when it blocks, it also does oh, the same thing. Oh, it doesn't thing. it blocks too. I forgot about that. So 
card's it's goofy. It's actually a really cool card. And it's it was, very fun to play with and against. It's I one of those, say. what will it be? <laughs> like, every time Gishath hits, it's a spin the wheel. Yeah, um, exactly. But I'm thinking about putting it back in Yuriko, because again, Yuriko's- You're trying a, to get it a little yeah. bit lower. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and that's, I think, a fun thing about when you do decide to intentionally bring the power level down a little bit of your deck, is it often lets you- yeah, put the pet cards back in. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones that are funny and fun to play. And so. the, you probably have a lot of stories with and have a yeah, strong affinity for. Absolutely, you do. All right, another Vi question coming at you. And I'm actually real. I love the wording of this question. What's your favorite bad strategy? Oh. <laughs> um, great okay. question. Interesting. Really good question. I think, I think it, it pains me to say, but I have to say... Tokens. I knew you were going to say tokens. Uh, I can't it's, lie. it's like, I absolutely love it. Anyone who's played against me knows that, like, even if my deck looks like it's being one thing, it looks like it's doing polymorph, really, it's a token deck. It's always a token deck. It's the meme of the astronaut pointing at the Earth. <laughs> it's like, is this a token deck? Always was. Always was. Always was. Um, that's, that's basically how I build every single one of my decks. But when someone board wipes and you're playing a token deck, it just sucks and Man, it means you have to build your deck entirely around like having board wipe protection when i was um telling people about like the way that i separate the cards in my deck when i'm building it i mentioned yeah. that i have a whole um category that i call protection and that was the only one that a bunch of people were like what and then i was like you know cards that protect your game plan and some people were just like befuddled they just like couldn't get their what head around kind that. of strategy is this yeah token? and it's what? like no, no no when you play tokens or you play creature-based strategies you have to have like target creature gains protection for the color of your choice until end of turn target creature gains indestructible until end of turn target creature gains hexproof heroic until end of intervention turn. Yeah. yeah heroic intervention I mean that that one is at least is played a lot but Teferi's like, protection another oh, that's a lot. very very good one but very expensive but yeah so I have to say creature based strategies they're so fun but they're very um, susceptible to being blown up and mm. people play a lot of board wipes and commander so look it's my favorite bad strategy i would it's, say how about I, you I, well first i, I want to make a point that i knew you were going to say tokens for this because i remember you when you built Kaza, and i'm so glad it got mentioned again <laughs> i remember looking through the list and i was like yeah it's wizard tribal it's a tribal deck what loves tribal wait what's creating two two blue wizard tokens <laughs> <laughs> how, how the hell have you found a card that out two two blue wizards oh it's casmino right i think yeah, it's casmino it's, uh, it's from it's a plain uh it's plain war, of the spark. From war of the spark it, it's just got a down tick on it that says create a two two blue wizard and draw, draw a card discard a card yeah. make a two two blue wizard and then it it gives your it basically gives them a version of um all your permanents your creatures have basically oh what do they call it it's got a name now Ward. It's basically Ward. Is it Ward? It's not Ward because Ward is like, it's counted unless you pay the cost. It just says they cost two more to cast. Okay. So if, if they try and target your creatures, it costs two more. So it's it, actually pretty relevant. It is actually really solid. And Kazmina's has had a, a new card, obviously, in the Simic one. Yes, um, that's true. Kazmina Egmatic Mentor is three and a blue for a legendary Planeswalker Kazmina. Five starting loyalty. Spells your opponent's cast that target a creature or Planeswalker you control ah, costs two more. Interesting. Planeswalker so two. Ward before it was Ward. Yep. And then down tick of two is create a 2-2 two, two blue wizard creature token draw a card discard a card yeah yeah so it's, it's basically just, bad. it poops out wizards is yeah. the main thing in a, in a wizard tribal deck. <laughs> i was just so shocked that yeah. it, like you had a tribal deck <laughs> i was like how did you get a 2-2 two, two blue uh, wizard i can't help myself i can't Funny. help myself how about you say so, uh, your favorite bad strategy what do you um reckon? 
Alright, I'm going to ask someone to insert the gif or the meme of that Italian soccer coach going, Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe <laughs> shit. You know the one I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I do. Storm. That that uh, meme is Storm. Yeah. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Yep. Storm is where you try and cast as many spells as possible and have a payoff. The problem with Storm is as you start storming, as you start going through the process, a lot of storm is casting cards to draw a card to make mana to do the to kind of keep the wheels turning. Then you can cast like a gut shot, right? And then again. The problem is when you start, you don't know if you're gonna get to your goal no, at the end. Half the time you're like, I hope I draw the card, that's the payoff. Yeah. Yeah. And I have there's a really good um uh and I think uh, he's asked a couple of questions in here already, um but Ben. Ben has mm. a really cool storm deck. I can't remember the name of Commander for the life of me. One blue and a red. It's the night day one from Midnight Hunt. I think it's a wizard. You Every time night becomes day, you put a counter on it, a plus one counter on it. And spells oh. cost that much less for how many counters he's got. Up. I think you have to tap it and then they cost that much less. Yes. But it's a super wacky commander. Really weird. Really card. cool though. Super cool is it storm card. Yeah, right? agreed. It's agreed. like it's like Mum I want Mizzix. No, we have Mizzix at home. <laughs> That's what that card is. Yeah. Wow, we are meme connoisseurs tonight. Apparently. Really pumping out the memes. Apparently. But Ben has a really cool deck of that. And it's basically do nothing, do nothing, do nothing, do nothing. Alright guys, I'm gonna try and win. Go to the front of the store, get a drink, get some snacks. Yeah. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes... Playing solitaire. Playing solitaire, seeing if I can win. Yeah. And it's literally sometimes Ben will be like, all right, I'm going to pass the turn. I'm going to keep going to see if I would have won, but I'm going to concede here. Because <laughs> he knows that everyone hates sitting against yeah. him. Yeah. I actually, funnily enough, it's funny that you mentioned Storm because Vi asked this question. Because Vi once pulled out a five-color Storm deck and they were like... Hey, do you mind if I play this? And I was like, who's the commander? And they were like, oh, it's this custom one. And it was like basically a vanilla creature. I think they had gotten like a custom card. Oh, like cool. It was like a custom made card. But it did like almost nothing. And they were like, yeah, I just wanted to build five color storm and I didn't want it to be busted. So I just have like a random five color. Like it just is a creature, basically. That's five colors. Yeah. Five um, mana, four, four, something. Something like that. Like yeah. that. Uh, anyway, completely wrecked us. But then, like, yeah, it, it would either do that or it would fizzle out and do nothing and then you lose. <laughs> sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> yep, exactly right. Hey, James, we're at the end of this uh, uh, I'm so excited. We page. can do a page. Let's I'm gonna, do it. Yeah, this way. Oh, oh. oh my goodness. Okay. Not bad. Wow. We survived. It landed upright. Oh. It's standing on its end. Maybe I'm magic. Maybe I'm magic. Maybe that's the real The real story. All right, I'm afraid that is all we have time for. You'll have to tune in next time for episode 11, which will be part two of our Q&A. We'll see you then. Bye.